0: It's Skype official now. We're friends.
1: This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. They have a terrific lineup of live courses you can attend either online or in person. Their upcoming course is JavaScript to Node, which covers some advanced JavaScript topics and real-time web development with Node.js. You can also get recordings of their previous courses like JavaScript the Good Parts, AngularJS, CSS3 in-depth, and Responsive Web Design. Get it all at frontendmasters.com. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to Widgmo.com and check them out. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 102 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Aaron Frost. Hello. Joe Eames. Hey, there. AJ O'Neill.
0: Yo, 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 coming at you from the land of love, Provo, Utah.
1: Merrick Christensen. Hey, guys. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.TV, and we have a special guest this week, and that's Brad Green.
2: Hi, folks. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, thanks for coming. You want to introduce yourself really quickly?
2: Sure. So I'm an engineering manager over here at Google and I do several things and amongst them I manage the Angular project been you doing it for a couple you years.
1: You manage the Angular project?
2: Yeah, I'm an engineering yeah. manager and so these folks need somebody to be their manager and that's what I do. Although maybe they'd be successful without me. Would you say Just they desperately highly? need? Some of them would say more than others and some of them probably reject my presence when I enter
0: the room. <laughs> 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 Come on, Brad. We all know the Angular would be nowhere without you. <laughs> I bet they get out of
2: control
3: sometimes, though.
2: Oh, yeah. Boy, you should see it. You should just see it. Probably it's going on crazy right now because I'm here and I can't see them right now.
3: I bet. I bet.
0: <laughs> I actually have the perfect meme for this. If I can find it, I'll post it.
1: So is managing an open source project like herding cats? No. It's like baking a
2: cake for about five years. <laughs> oh,
3: nice! And <laughs> hey, so you good. never get a, No, I don't think I have the right analogy. <laughs> I like that
2: five-year cake. I like. We that. keep replacing the layers and frosting it differently. Yeah,
1: uh, you get yeah. your have your cake and slap it on the front of your web application.
4: I'm going to ask a question that maybe seems a little generic, but this is something I wonder sometimes. What exactly is open source software?
2: That's a good question. Are you asking me specifically? I don't know if I'm an expert on what open source is. I have I, my definition. Would you want to hear that? or I would else love to hear. Well, I think there's kind of two flavors and, or maybe there's a couple flavors, but I've seen a couple. One is where, hey, we've developed some software that we think other people would like to see the internals of, whether it's for trust reasons or we just want to share our cool ideas so other people can use them. And there's another flavor that we try to be on Angular, which is not only we try and share it, but we actually actively solicit contributors. And we really want the community to be a big part of what the framework is. So I think there's valid reasons for doing both styles, and there's probably some other styles on the folks can list, but that's how it falls out in my head.
4: So a community-run project, I mean, jQuery eventually turned over, jresic turned its source over to like the jQuery foundation. This might be an inappropriate question, but do you think Angular or Google will ever turn over the source of Angular?
2: Could be. I mean, the future is long, as Steve Jobs liked to say, and <laughs> I don't know. There's no foundation yet that wants to take it over, but I- I'm willing to be approached.
0: Very cool. Would you say that the community involvement that you've got to date is as much as you'd like, or would you like more? So, you know, I think
2: it's we're constantly at the point where we just we don't know how we'll scale to talk to everybody who we want to talk to in the community and i think like we continually want more and and we're always trying to scale it to use more and more folks i think like we learn a lot from from folks like the linux project and certainly i think the firefox project they do a great job mozilla of making a big scalable system where you know we have some core contributors that started it here at google and then we're working to train and collaborate with folks who can be the next level of owners and they, you know, it's a pyramid scheme. It's it's a Ponzi sort of thing, uh, and eventually
0: everybody <laughs> in the world will be an Angular
2: contributor. <laughs>
0: nice. So I have another question, kind of a little going backwards, just a little bit about what all that you do. Are you at liberty to speak at like the other projects that you manage and how big they are in terms of size, oh, sure. and budget? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, yeah. Angular is a team of about uh, eight developers here, and then there's some external folks who. You know, many external folks who work on Angular as well. I have other teams, and in total I manage about 75 folks. These other projects are in ads here at Google, and I manage some back-end database systems of various sorts where we we pull information from across Google's backends and try to make them consumable. And then I build some CRM software for our internal sales forces. That project is called Green Tea, Hmm. So a lot of stuff people never see. Angular is the one thing I do that that I get to chat about on the outside. I saw, it. I saw. Actually, it. you did see it. You were here.
3: Yeah, we, I we was had there.
2: a we had a sandwich and talked about green tea.
3: Oh my god, guys! The sandwich was the best. And then like I went to a different cafe. Brad, have you ever been to Roots? Yeah, I've been to Roots. Oh my gosh, that was the food was uh, food was not good. <laughs> food was bad. They have their their days. Okay, well, I was on the bad day. <laughs> we would not steer
2: you wrong, man. When you come back, we will take care of you.
3: Their area is actually really cool. They, like, have this view out the, like, side of the hill. It's awesome. And then, for whatever reason, they've installed a huge swing, like, in the middle of the office. Because it's always okay to install a swing anyway. It is. No, I know. It's Angular branded. It's the NG Swing. <laughs> NG Swing. Cool. <laughs> yes.
4: One of the questions I have for you is obviously Angular's blown up in growth. How he has
2: managed that as an open source project? There were many times where we had nothing but ulcers that we were not on top of the pull requests and the bugs and whatnot. And then we decided it was okay to not be on top of them. And then we decided it was not okay to be not on top of them. <laughs> and and that, that's I think that's when we... Um, let me back up. For a long time, it was just Igor, Mishko, and myself as their coach. And We hired Vojta and that's about the time that it started to take off. And for a long time, it was just them trying to keep on, on top of everybody's interest and love. And and the love nearly killed us. And I think like Igor did a really good job of explaining it, I think, at the ngconf talk he gave, which folks can check out on the web if they want to. And we've hired a lot of folks externally to help with this. And there are, there are people like Caitlin and Peter and Matthias and a bunch of, bunch of other folks who help make sure that we're, we're actually maintain some sanity and really address issues that people bring up.
0: Got it. So what's different about managing an open source project like Angular versus managing the other projects you manage? That's uh, really interesting.
2: There's certainly some pleasure in being able to talk with the community about things that they like and with, that we can collaborate on. Like we get to trade ideas with some of the coolest projects on the planet There are some cool projects here at Google for sure, but I think we would be limited if we were just working on a framework that was used for Google only. So I really like that. I think the whole team really enjoys it. And because of that, we we get an ability to come to conferences and speak and hear a lot of folks' ideas all around the world. There's another aspect to it too. At Google, we have we have some beautifully scalable, really robust systems that are just really hard to use. And so I think Google hires super smart people that can tolerate a lot of this complexity, yes. And maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should be a little more intolerant of it. And actually, that's that's kind of, it's been going on for a while at Google, and we haven't really known what we're going to do about it. But I think there's finally a good plan. And and really what we want to do is match what everyone on the outside wants for their development environment inside of Google. Mm. You know, I don't have any other details to share than that, but I think, you know, Angular has been a nice bridge between outside and inside. Here's something that folks internal to Google love to use and folks external love to use, and I think we can inform each other with, with what our needs are for a platform.
4: I want to know, why do open source? Like what do you get out of it?
2: I think I talked about this a little bit already, but having the ability to learn from the world, I think that's the primary benefit for us. You know, We, we could have done this as a project that, as I said, only supported Google properties, but we would be missing a huge swath of the world. Another part of it is I think it it holds us to a different standard that we need to have, you know, documentation and, you know, code that can be understood by large groups of folks. And I think it's helpful to have to force you into a space, you know, if you're really trying to be something that other folks can work on that has all of the hygiene I's and T's dotted and crossed.
0: Got it. Besides those reasons, I mean, Google's paying a bunch of people money in order to produce a product that they're not getting any money back from other than, you know, maybe some notoriety, right? It's true. It's true, yes. yes. But most mostly we make money on ads, and the rest
2: of Google, this is free stuff. And yes, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> why, do you no, think, no, but, why do you think Google's like that? Well, I mean, a, a lot of what Google does is actually there to support the ads ecosystem, right? You know, if you use the web more, and, and the web's a nice place to be, then hopefully we can support the folks who actually need to make a living by selling stuff on the web. I mean, some of it's for community goodwill, but I think there's starting to be another benefit in that when folks on the outside use the same technologies we use on the inside, it's actually easier for Google to recruit. You know, for a long time, you know, we used things like the Closure library, which was open source, but it was primarily used by Google. And you know, Angular is this nice crossover where you know, when we recruit people, we see Angular on their resume, and they can go to town on
0: projects here at Google. Is uh, managing an open source project is that a new experience for you? Uh, yes, I have never done that before. Completely new.
2: I had no idea what to expect. It's been fantastic. Really, you you wouldn't give it up? Ah, oh, I mean, I won't say love of my life because my wife could listen, but um, <laughs> I have to say something to say about my children. Yeah, no, I think it's super fun.
3: So, was it easy to get Google to agree to open the source, or did you have to fight some fights to say let's give this away rather than keep it in house? Okay, so maybe
2: this is new territory. So I think we didn't ask anybody. We we open-sourced this, I think, before we had a formal open-source group. And Mm -hmm. we have one now. So new projects have very clear guidelines on what they should do when they want to open-source their software. We just kind of did it without asking anyone.
3: It, would that, that was cool. Did you guys get any handsome act? That was, that no, was... we, no one ever asked. So
2: I think you know, most people are afraid of what might happen. Usually it's the right thing, particularly to talk to your legal folks before you start an open source project. They will have some good advice that you will need to follow. But you know, most of the things we fear in life never actually come about.
3: That's
0: awesome, man. So what have you thought of the popularity of Angular over the last year, year and a half? I think we try not to think about it. It's so overwhelming. Like, we
2: thought we would probably, a project be canceled any, at any moment. And, uh, (laughs) now, like, I, you know, you can't hardly turn around without hearing some huge, crazy, cool project using Angular these days.
0: Huh. So does that mean that, like, amongst the other managers over there at Google, you're like the one with strutting all his feathers all day long?
2: Oh, no, absolutely not. There are so (laughs) many awesome things going on here at Google. I'm um, a drop in the ocean.
3: It was cool when I was there. Brad was talking about his team, and um, he was like, I serve these guys. I'm just here to serve them so that they can do this. It was actually pretty cool to hear Brad's philosophy about managing this team.
0: It was pretty awesome. I want to know, have you ever like talked to other open-source project managers and compared notes about doing this? I honestly don't know any. I know a lot of
2: engineers on open-source projects, but I don't know any other managers. And if there's any managers listening, to chat. Maybe we could all get together on our own Skype call someday and chat
1: about these things. Can you talk a little bit about the process that you guys use to uh, build Angular? So how do features get in, kind of make the list that somebody's going to work on, and how do you kind of shepherd it through so that it actually gets put in and tested and whatever else?
2: Yeah. There's a couple different ways. And, you know, the largest source of by number of features is through pull requests from the community where somebody out there will have an idea for a bug fix or an actual feature and they'll propose it. And sometimes it's just in a gist, but often it comes with code and we have a weekly triage process where we'll go through like there's a whole bunch of us that sit in a room and some of us on a video chat and we will go through the lists and decide whether we like some pull requests or we don't like them. And if we like them, what do we need to do to mentor that piece of code into being integratable into some version of Angular? Hmm. And so, you know, we use GitHub's tagging ability to put various labels on things to help us understand where they are in the process. We actually have an automated bot that we call Mary Poppins that helps us do like the round one of this tagging for us. So for signals that we can just automate and things we can do automatically, like check, have they signed? the license agreement that allows them to be part of this Google release, that's automated. So then usually you know, one of us on the core team, and it doesn't have to be someone at Google, will then be assigned to mentor this to make sure that it's you know, it's got all the right tests and it's constructed properly and it works well with the rest of the framework. And then eventually it makes us way into release. Now for things with a longer-term scope, it's usually owned by somebody on the core team. And you can see this for the Angular 2.0 project, where we've written fairly extensive design docs for all the new core pieces, for the new templating library and the new change detection and zones and routes and all these good things. And so we'll go through solicit feedback from each other and then from other folks that we know and love to give us early feedback. And then as they are right now, they're open for everybody's comments so that we can really make sure that we've got, we've thought through all the things we can think through before writing code. And then we start experimenting with the
3: code. One thing that you guys did at NGConf that I thought was pretty cool and maybe you could talk about it for a second is you created a working group, which was, from my understanding, a way to let non-core people participate in some of, I don't know how, how much of the decision making, but in, in part of the process solving and, and decision making stuff. So what's the deal with your guys' team and this working group that you've created?
2: Yeah. So yeah, at NGConf, we, Put out a request for folks who thought that they they had something to contribute to the future of Angular. And we had a bunch of different categories like I want to continue support for IE8, or I want to work on some new performance features for 1.3, or I want to work on Angular Dart or the future of AngularJS. And then we kind of went through and found owners or, or people here at Google who could help shepherd them and help make them productive in Angular's ways of doing things. And so right now we have a large group of about, I think, 10 folks who are contributing to the Angular 1.3 release. And most of the new features you'll see in 1.3 are actually going to be done outside of the core team.
3: Most of the features for the next release are being done by non-core people? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, you know, Igor and Caitlin and all the rest of us will help. And we really want to build that next level of folks who can be productive on the Angular framework. So it's not just limited to us.
1: So when you mean non-core team people, you're talking about programmers out in the community?
3: That's right. Well, not even that, though. Like He means, because some of the people who are non-core also work at Google. He just means the te- people who aren't on... I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Correct me, Brad. No,
2: you're right, Aaron. Yeah, it just means that they're not part of our formal Angular group. It means that Angular is not their full-time job.
3: But some of them work at Google, right? Like some That's of them are, right. Okay. Cool, cool.
1: So, where are things going moving forward? What kinds of things are you excited to see come into Angular here in the future?
2: Like, let me just talk a little bit about we have like four different release paths right now, which is a lot to manage. So, we, we have the, the 1.2 release, which is what everybody uses today. And this is where we will support folks who need IE8. And Right now, mostly we're at the end of the feature roadmap for that, for 1.2. We'll continue to make bug fixes there. Things that are critical. The focus for the 1.x path is really on Angular 1.3 right now. And you can look in GitHub to see all of the features tagged to that milestone for the things we're going to plan to pull in. But th- there's a lot of interesting things like, you know, bind once and some other performance related bits. I think some real cool stuff will go in there. Part of the team is focused on our Angular Dart, the version that's of Angular that runs on top of the Dart language. And we kind of think of this as it was our latest and greatest thinking of the time of last year when we built it. And so there's, there's a lot of the pieces, the idioms that we'll be using in what we're calling Angular 2.0. And Angular 2.0 is the complete rethink of how we build all the pieces to make them simpler and faster with a particular focus on making things work great on mobile devices. And so we've spent a lot of time making change detection incredibly fast. And in the lab, we're seeing about 20,000 observations per millisecond. So you know, for any kind of device, you application where you have you know, even large data sets, you spend five milliseconds on it, you can do 100,000 observations. And what's interesting about that is it's not using Object Observe. Not even using Object Observe yet. So Object Observe is this native implementation of change detection. And we've architected the new change detection, so we've got a slot for using Object Observe. And when it's available, and it's actually going to come very soon in Chrome's M35 release.
0: Yeah, in M35, it's out. That's awesome. So question with that. Oftentimes when the native features are first implemented, they're actually significantly slower than the shim. With object.observe, do you think that the shim will initially be faster? Or do you think that object.observe will actually natively implemented be
2: a real win? That's a great question. And Igor or someone else on the team is building this right now. So you can actually use object observe via a flag in Chrome today. And so we're going to test it out. We'll have benchmarks. And so you will we'll know as soon as we slot it in.
3: You talked about an insane number of checks That you're going to be able to do in a short amount of time. Can you to contrast that so that we can be impressed? How fast is it today? Uh, It's a good question. So actually,
2: let me direct you to last week's Mountain View meetup where we recorded Mishko going through the implementation of our new change detection, and it's pretty cool. He actually shows you uh, gives you a lot of insight into how VMs work. And part of the problem is it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison, so it's it's hard to know except for a real application. We have recently implemented this in again the Angular Dart version, and the end result to the user, which is like really what you care about, is quite a lot snappier. How many times faster? I, you know, I don't know. So I mean, one of the things to realize with this is that one observation would be if, if you check a variable like a, but if you say like if you're checking A.B.C, that's three observations that we have to check we are doing fast path pruning though so that if we've already checked something in the path that has not changed we know not we don't have to check the rest of it
3: okay cool in that video you referenced this to, i'm going to put it here in the notes so we'll be on the podcast it it says it's about like best practices you're saying mishko is going to talk about it in here oh wait i'm on the wrong one sorry mishko talks about it
2: Yes, yes. Okay. He's at the uh I think he's he's not quite at the very end. It's actually so there's one talk that talks about restful APIs with Angular, but then I think James from the team talks about our new benchmark tool called Benchpress, and then Mishko talks about how we implemented this fast change detection. Okay. I'm actually hemming and hawing around the fact I actually don't know the number, but okay. <laughs> if you if you ping me afterwards, I'll, I'll try and get something more specific.
3: Is that out in 2.0, or is that going to be out maybe 1.3? So the new change
2: detection is in this, this library called watchtower.js. And one of the things you notice in Angular 2 is that we're breaking up all of the parts of Angular into components that we hope can be used other places, even other frameworks. And it's possible we could use it in 1.3. I think the core team is not going to focus that way. If some community member wanted to try it, I think we would be supportive if we thought that you knew enough to be successful. Okay.
4: So, Brett, say somebody out here is listening and they're working on an open source project and they're wondering if they really do want to get involved in running an open source project. There's obviously an enormous amount of sacrifice involved, even outside of your guys' day jobs. I mean, you can look at the commit history and you can see the, you know, the people on the core team and outside the core team are, are working kind of all hours on this community-driven project. What advice can you give somebody who wants to uh, explore making their own projects.
2: Yeah, you should have poor personal work-life boundaries. And, (laughs) you know, I I think, no, to be honest, I think you have to really enjoy interacting with other people. And you really have to have a burning desire to share your ideas with folks. And I think that's what drives folks like Mishko and Igor and Vojta on the team, Brian and and the other guys. They really like to converse with other folks about these ideas, about how you put web applications together, how the wiring works and how templates work and what's our collective taste feel like. So if you have that as your core and you like worrying about project hygiene and builds and documentation and all the pieces that go with it and you feel like you want to invest in it more than just putting the code together, then this might be a thing for you. But I think it's
3: it's probably not for everyone. Right. So I'm going to ask an American question. Uh-oh. If you had to pick one, open or source, go. How can you, how can you <laughs> pick? <laughs> I
4: don't even know what that means.
0: Look, transparency is really important. I'm just so playing. It's open. You've got to pick open. Open, okay. Brad, what's your favorite parts about being the manager of an, an open source project, Angular in specific? Whoa. Favorite parts.
2: I liked that we got to create this cool logo. And I think that's really why Angular is pretty successful with this awesome logo.
3: <laughs> so we know that Voina and Brian are your favorite parts. What are your second favorite parts? Yes. I know.
2: Yes. Well, let's see. Second, <laughs> which, which of my kids do I love most? That's yeah. a good question.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I do love speaking. I love going to conferences and I love talking with folks about the projects that they care about. So, like, although I don't do a lot of code contributions to Angular itself, I love being in an open source project for the same reasons that the rest of the folks do.
4: You mentioned a lot about wanting to share ideas and with the people and stuff like that. If I look at Angular, there's no way a project with 20,000 people watching it every Issue that gets opened that all those people's ideas could be blended into a cohesive framework. So, how do engineers on your team strike a balance of like listening to community ideas and keeping a cohesive project?
2: Yeah, it's certainly a sampling of people's ideas. It's not really a a direct democracy, but you know, I think for in some ways social media helps, right? Like the the folks with the best ideas kind of percolate up to the top to that realm. Some things happen directly, and there is some uh like we have friends on other projects and people that we understand through their reputation, through their work, that their ideas are similar to ours or, or sometimes they're not similar to ours and we like them for that reason too. I mean it certainly happens through a variety of paths, but you're right. It's not like everyone has to say, but I think everyone who has something to contribute that there's a pathway. For them to get their idea out there, if
4: they want to. I just wonder how a project doesn't prevent themselves from being overwhelmed with trying to address community needs and then never getting anything done.
2: Yeah, you know, honestly, that has happened to us at several places in Angular's history. It's a good question. If you're running an open source project, you have to have a strategy for growth, and I think there's been there have been several places where we did not have a strategy for growth, and we got stuck doing nothing but monitoring the pull requests and the bug queue. And so, you know, you saw this when, you know, we announced we were going to do Angular 1.2. And then, you know, a year, 18 months later, it finally came out. And a lot of this was just, there weren't enough of us to manage all of the people and the you know, the communications that we had to, had to work on. I think if we had maybe not been dedicated to this being a fully open source project, if we were just doing head sound development, we would have gone a lot faster. I think we really liked the end result.
0: Right. If there was one mistake that you made or one thing that you could do over again, what would it be? I think announcing when we thought
2: 1.2 would ship. That was <laughs> <laughs> That was the biggest <laughs> thing. So you know we've got it, we've got a very different strategy for 2.0. You will never hear us tell you when we think it's gonna ship. But instead, we're trying to make it even more transparent by talking about it, sharing the design docs, soliciting feedback before you even write code, and then highlighting where we are on each of the individual components of it. And we'll be doing demos and you'll you'll hear progress reports all the way along. I think we did this poorly for 1.2. But for 2.0, you should hear, like, we've got weekly meeting notes and you'll, you can follow along. And even though you may not know exactly when we're going to declare 2.0, you can see when it's ready for you to jump in and start using it because you'll understand what the capabilities are.
4: Something I wanted to ask, too, is, the monetization of open source. There's lots of people who like to work on open source or who would like to work on open source and they don't have a Google to sponsor them. So there's things like GitTip, tip, et cetera. What do you think about people who want to work on open source full-time? How are ways they can monetize that? Is it even a good idea to try and monetize working on open
2: source full-time? I think I became aware that this was a possible model when, when Red Hat you know, became a really viable offering. You know, This was many, many years ago. I th- it's obviously a model that can work well. I am not an expert in this, so I don't know if I have much to say about it. I like it. I think there, I mean, there's folks in the Angular community who are making money off Angular through books and videos and courses and even tools on top of Angular. So that I love, that we've been able to create an ecosystem that people can make money on.
0: Right. So you guys have got a swing and you've got a conference. Is a theme park next? <laughs> I-, I was thinking more like a... Uh, not a theme park, but a
2: park where you can camp. Maybe bring uh-huh. your own tent.
4: <laughs> that sounds
2: wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> gave uh, gave <laughs> yeah, I am. You guys Yeah, a
3: hack. There were some crazy
2: guys who threw us a conference.
3: Crazy fetching guys, dude.
0: Totally um, crazy. That's a lot of work.
3: Oh, uh, we, we heard th- it was the most beautiful thing. <laughs> we heard that there's something coming up in Paris. How's that going? We are working with some folks
2: on trying to replicate the magic of an anger conference over in Europe. And I don't have any announcements, but I'll, I'll let those guys comment when they're ready about when that
0: could happen. Cool. Was that all just because you wanted a free vacation to Europe?
2: Yeah, my wife said that she's not a fan of Salt Lake, but that Paris is a very nice place to go. And so there we
3: go. Wow. <laughs> well, only a little bit offended. You cut me deep, Shrek. You cut well, me
2: deep. What's the hate for I will show up in Salt Lake any day of the week for you guys.
0: While we're on that topic, why do you think it is that the analytics for state by state searches related to AngularJS are the way that they are? Have you looked at those? No. Tell me about it. Utah is significantly higher than California.
4: One might argue there's a community here hmm. really pushing for you
3: guys. One might argue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You should drill into the regional analytics when you got a second on Google Trends. It's pretty interesting. Yes, the, the source of goodness, it turns
2: out, for Angular is not in Mountain View, but in Salt Lake. You've <laughs> <laughs> <It> revealed <laughs> it here.
3: Well, I don't know. I mean, I'll take the compliment, but I don't know if it's true. <laughs> <laughs> we enjoyed having you guys here. It's still been like a thing that... It's been fun to talk about, and we're excited that it was such a success. It even went viral. It was a viral conference. I mean, (laughs) about a tenth of the people got virally ill, so it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) There's no proof that was a virus.
2: That could have been an amoeba or a cyst. You know, anything could have happened.
3: Yeah, well, we imported like four things. It could have been any of them, so you never know. That's awesome. So, So when's this happening next year? Uh, ng Conf 2015? We can't speak to it.
0: Don't, Good, question. Don't, don't <laughs> Good do, question.
3: If you're not going to break the box on the Paris thing, then we're not breaking the box on ng Conf 2015. Let's <laughs> <I'll> just <laughs> say Forget I
2: will, Paris. I want to know 2.0. And we are working on it. I will yeah, show up any day of the week. Tell me
0: when. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. We're going to do the same thing that you're doing with 2.0. We're just going to start letting people know how it's coming along, and eventually people will show up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good. <laughs>
3: It's the marching order. So one thing, Brad, I wanted to maybe get your take on, because I know that you've been instrumental in this part of Angular. But you know, for me, when I looked around and I'm like, hey, so one thing that's really drawn me towards Angular is the community and um specifically your team. You know, when I started it was like Igor, Mishko, and John Lindquist. That was it, right? Yeah. And I was like, Man, these guys Wait, are John doesn't so- work here. John doesn't work, no, but John was a community guy, right? <laughs> Yeah, we, we love he's
2: friend of the family for sure
3: yeah like the the community around it was just i felt like always positive and uh, i didn't always get that in other places so what are you guys i know you guys proactively talk about being positive and when you get a chance to focus on the negative of like of a different framework or, or something else where you could i know you guys like harnish that and, and, and focus it back onto your own stuff. So what what's kind of the direction you give your team, or what are your guys' goals around being a good community?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think some of this is is some Google in general. Like, Google's a really big company, and if we comment harshly on our competitors, I think it feels like the 800-pound gorilla's, you know, wrecking around the room. And so I think there's a lot of other good open-source Work that's, you know, people might view as in competition to Angular that we won't bash them. I think a lot of it's very cool, but I mean, I I really don't want to talk badly about anybody else. And uh, I think we all just want the web to win. Yeah.
1: I think that's an interesting sentiment. We want the web to win. It seems like Google's kind of expressed that, you know, over the years that, you know, they're really in the business of the internet. And I'd like to hear a little bit about how. You feel that uh, a you know this meets with that mission for Google, and how I guess they're both the same question. How does Angular help the internet in general?
2: yeah, that's a good question. So I think you know for a long time you know, the web's been popular for a lot of reasons, like the accessibility and the ubiquity of it made it you know the ideal platform to bring everybody together in a lot of great ways in development, but we went through this interesting transition if if you're old like me, you saw. Us go from, you know, we we built software on individual non-connected machines, and we thought we were cool. And then we connected them, and we had these things like 3270 terminals with colors, and we thought that was cool. We finally evolved to this client-server architecture, where we had these rich clients that connected to databases and did things. And then the web came along, and for a while it felt like we were back to 3270 terminals, because all the source was being generated back on the server. And we kind of lost a lot of the architectural goodness that we developed in the world of client server in, you know, places like Sun and Microsoft and Apple or, you know, I I came from Next and we developed the Next Step operating system, which eventually became OSX. So a lot of us were used to, you know, like a a window manager and a, a very, you know, MVC like environment for the way we wire our applications together and think about having abstraction layers. I think we were trying to bring a little bit of this back into the web platform. And maybe to, like, to nobody's faults, like, it wasn't, if we look back, well, I, th- I don't think it really was possible before sort of the IE8 timeframe to build a framework like Angular. And so the, just the time was right. And, you know, there's other things like Angular who bring this style of programming. I was just talking with this about Igor today, but Angular doesn't really bring a lot of new things. We've stolen the best ideas from history and we've put them together in one nice place.
0: Hmm.
3: That was
1: so poetic. I still like playing in your bedroom, if you know what I mean. I mean, no, you I know, don't. You, you have that all the, weird. Uh, you, you have all, all the nice, all us, bro you, you, <laughs> you, you stole all the nice the toys, or you copied all the nice toys, and now I get to use them.
3: It's true, Brad. I don't recommend letting Chuck over for dinner, bro. <laughs> no, <laughs> not after that. <laughs> Hiring personal security now.
0: Chuck, I you've been uninvited. to, to NG
3: Comp 2015.
0: I want to thank you, Chuck, for making me feel less like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I was due. What can I say? Because for all the times I've said dumb stuff, I think you really just, like, put a new whistle on that bell. Yeah. It was his turn.
1: (laughs) I've been saving up. Yeah. So you guys have any other questions about Angular and project managing?
0: Angular is awesome. Angular is awesome when you're part of a team. (laughs) I'm curious to see
4: how the community what? and Google work together to create Angular 2. I'd love to have you guys back. me we'll in a couple of months from now to talk about that in particular.
0: Sounds great. Yeah, I'll bring some people who actually write code along with me. I want to know how you're planning to top this for your, you know, Angular as a manager. I'm going to top Angular? Yeah, how are you going to yeah. top this on your, on your resume? You, you know, the way I'm thinking about it is, like, I'm pretty much done. I'll
2: probably have a goat farm and make cheese and maybe... Do honey and stuff. Bashmaster so,
4: challenge, it. yeah. <laughs> so far as I know, the cheese market is relatively unsaturated.
2: That's, <laughs> that's disruption. Right. Yeah. There'll be a little A logo on it. You'll know what cheese you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I think Angular 2 we're envisioning is like you have to love it enough to leave Angular to go to Angular 2. Like we want to build the framework you want to leave Angular for. Mm.
0: Mm.
3: So, when you guys do this 2.0 branch, is the 1.3 branch gonna be, like, end? Is that, it's over? The only option after that is to go to 2.0, or are you guys gonna have, like, a side-by-side? Kind of like, you know, like jQuery's done a little bit with, um, they've still kind of developed on the, on the branch that doesn't abandon IE while going forward with a new version that does. Are you guys gonna do that, or? We haven't decided. It'll depend on how quickly
2: people adopt the new browsers, okay. how quickly people get on IE 10, 11,
3: and so on. Okay, that's good to know. Very cool. Should we do picks?
1: Yeah, let's do some picks. Aaron, do you want to start us off with the picks? I got some
3: picks. When I was out in California for Fluent, I got a chance to go to Mountain View for a few days and. And I got to see Brad and some guys on this team. And I got to hang out with a bunch of people that organize the Google developer groups around North America. And we just kind of, we, bra- it was a few days where we got to brainstorm and talk about how we could better organize the Google developer groups. And I met this one group who is from an even smaller market of the country than where I'm at, which is Utah. It's called GDG Southern Idaho. And These guys blew me away. It's a school. It's a GDG inside of a high school. And these kids that go to this group were amazing. Like, the kind of stuff they're doing, they've got, like, they've done so much, they've gotten their school to fund a whole tech lab where they'll have, like, 3D printers and and all sorts of Arduino and, and other kinds of robots for them to build on. And they took it even so far that they got the principal to make the Hour of Code that was back in December, they made Hour of Code a mandatory thing for their whole school, so they got 1,100 kids to participate in Hour of Code, and they kind of walked them through it. The G2G Southern Idaho, that's one of my picks because I think that they're an awesome Google developer group. And then Can't wait I was, to read about that. That's awesome, yeah, man. they were amazing. I mean, if you guys, anyone in Southern Idaho needs to get involved with them, they're really cool. So my second pick is Thunder Plants Conf. It's an Oklahoma conference that some of the people we met out at uh, Fluent Conf are putting on. So if you're in the Oklahoma area, go ahead and check it out. It's thunderplainsconf.com. So those are my two picks.
1: Cool. Merrick, what are your picks?
3: So I have
4: one pick. It's a new album that came out today, and it's by an artist named Graves. It's hip-hop. So if you uh, like beautiful words,
0: sung to a beat, it's some good music.
1: All right. Joe, what are your picks?
0: I have two picks. The first is I'm going to pick the Jawbone Icon, which is a Bluetooth headset for your phone. I've tried a ton of different Bluetooth headsets for my phone, and this one is definitely the best as far as being loud and broadcasting my voice clearly. And I lost mine, so I wanted to go buy another, and I only considered buying another Icon because I just really liked it. So that's my first pick. And then my second pick is going to be the TV show Star Wars The Clone Wars, which is now off the air. Disney has canceled it, which I hate them for. I'm still going to go give them all of my money ever I visit Southern California. But the season six is out on Netflix. All the seasons are out on Netflix, which is really awesome. And the season six kind of wraps up the whole entire series. And it's a great show for adults as well as kids. I really enjoy watching it. Watch a lot with my son. So that's going to be my second and final pick.
1: All right. I've been playing around a bit with some hardware. And so, I'm going to pick this big, long list of hardware that I bought off of Amazon. Basically, there was a talk at Mountain West Ruby Conference where they talked about iBeacons. And I want an iBeacon, but I don't want to go pay $100 for one. So, I found one where you can build it with Raspberry Pi, a little Bluetooth dongle. And, yeah. So, I'm going to put that in for my picks. Also... There was another talk about in West Ruby Conference, and it, it was uh, given by Ryan Davis, and he talked about his users group up in uh, Seattle. Whether you're a Rubyist or not, I mean, what it really boils down to is something that I think is really cool, and so I'm going to start organizing something like that here. And basically what it is is they have two different meetups, but they meet on the same night. One just meets right before the other. The first one's a study group. And so they read books like the uh, SICP, which is the structure and I forget anyway for computer programs. It's Structure
0: book. and Interpretation of Computer Programs. There you go.
1: And it it's the book that they use at uh, MIT or something. And anyway, so it's it's a pretty awesome book. And then they they've studied some other book. And anyway, that's kind of the thing that I want to do is just kind of have those discussions, more of a formal study group. And then the other thing that they do is they have a two hour meetup which is basically a hack night. So people just bring stuff to hack on and then they work on it. And I think that is just awesome. And so I've organized one here. I sent the email around to the Ruby group and I'm probably going to email the JavaScript group too and just say, Hey, show up. Yeah, Uh, please do. Cause I think, I think the details are, uh, or the, you know, the structure works for anybody and it's a hack night. It doesn't really matter what technology you want to use. But anyway, so, uh, I highly recommend over the next week or so when it comes out that you go watch that talk too and get some ideas from it. I actually went to lunch with Ryan before he gave his talk and asked him all kinds of questions. So uh, yeah, we're just going to be doing it at Starbucks here and I think eventually it'll probably move somewhere that's open a little later and has a little bit more room depending on how many people show up. And so yeah, I just picked the night that I could go every week, which was Monday night and I organized it. So I guess what I'm driving at is watch the talk and that's my pick. But I'm also encouraging people to go out there. And if the user's group isn't exactly what you want or need, for example, all the user's groups that I have gone to previously, they periodically do like coding exercises. And then most of the time it's like presentation, 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 chat with people that you either met that night or that you, you know, you like to see every month. And then you go home. And for me, I just really wanted these other structures and and to be able to get in and, and hack with people on cool stuff. So anyway, so that's my pick. Brad, what are your picks?
2: So I was driving my son to swim class this weekend, and I was listening to NPR. And there was this cast on This American Life program that was talking about toast and how toast is the new hipster food craze here in San Francisco. Toast? You betcha. Okay. Super awesome. But the story turned a little differently at the end, and they kind of were tracing where this toast kick craze came from, back to its roots. And it's not about hipsters at all. And I just found it super as a good perspective for my own life. And I won't reveal how it turns out, but I'll put a link to it here. And I really recommend folks take a listen.
3: Can I ask you a question about your pick, Brad? Yeah. What kind of toast? Like, is it... Just regular bread, or what are you putting on Imagine,
2: like, the most perfect Pullman loaf that somebody slices with care in front of you and toast perfection and butters to its corners. And, you know, it's like they said in the thing, like, it's like toast, but better.
4: (laughs) Right.
1: I love this American life.
4: There's something about your personality that's almost like talking to a hug. Does anybody (laughs) else get that vibe? He's talking about custom (laughs) cut bread. Yeah. From a caregiver? I'm like, yeah. oh. I feel like he's hugging me.
3: Yeah, um, <laughs> From It's a good personality
4: trait, though, bro.
2: It's my intent. So, like, I'll give you a hug in person when you get here.
3: Yes. <laughs> Achievement <laughs> unlocked.
2: <laughs> if I get a chance for another one, there is a appropriately timed Huffington Post article on Angular and about the way I took away is Angular's popularity is really due to its community. So I'll share that one as well.
3: I think one of uh, the next releases of there needs to be something about Hipster Toast. Ah, oh, okay. We've got a name. Fantastic. Yeah, something about how Hipster Toast is a superpower. Anyway, just a thought. That's so funny.
1: Cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming, Brad.
2: Thanks for having me. This is fun. I would love to do it again.
1: Thanks, Brad. Cool. Thanks, we'll Brad. To... All thanks, right. Brad. We'll uh, wrap it up, and we'll catch you all next week. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y dot com to learn more. Do you wish you could be part of the discussion on JavaScript Jabber? Do you have a burning question for one of our guests? Now you can join the action at our membership can sign up at javascriptjabber.com slash jabber, and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests.